Excellent. An ale for me. And for my officers. In fact, ales for everyone. Turn backward. With Rick and Rick and Will and Zemma. Oh, yes. <clears throat> Hello, welcome to another episode of Ten Backwards, the Star Trek podcast from the UK. Uh, I'm your host, Rick Everson, and I have co-hosts, Will, Will Turland. Hello. Uh, Gemma Turland. Hello. And Rick Palmer. Hi there. And we're gathering for a special episode today for um, Halloween. We're going to celebrate some of the spookier episodes of Star Trek um, and we thought it was a pretty great topic, so we invited in some of our Patreon patrons to come and join us. We've got Dan Casely. Hello. And Rebecca Lockley. Hello. Hi, really nice to have you guys on there, on tonight, because um, it's going to be a good fun discussion. Uh, we have had, just had about 45 minutes of fairly hilarious discussion already. Um, so yeah, we're going to talk some of the scarier, spookier um horror-inspired episodes of Star Trek that uh, have been done over the years. Uh, I think a good place to start might be in the original series with Cat's Paw, because in terms of Halloween-based episodes, it literally mentions Halloween, so we're a fairly good start with that one. Was it actually... uh, I read that this one was... I think this is the only episode of Star Trek that was conceived as, like, a holiday special, basically. Like, it was meant to be a Halloween episode, and it went out around the time of Halloween, mm. the original broadcast. Oh, that's cool. Um, I Did mean, I suppose with the ex- exception of um, the Pegasus, which was obviously set, set to mark the Captain Picard Day holiday, that for yeah. some reason is not an official holiday still, but it <laughs> bloody well a, should be. Not even a bank holiday in the UK, is it? I know, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> but yes, Cat's Paw, yeah, it's the closest, we, we, we rarely touch on Christmas or anything in Star Trek, um, so yeah, Cat's Paw is very much geared on Halloween, we had, um, there's a lot of interesting fun tropes, like we have the, the, the three witches, we have lots of, oh, lots, lots of crazy stuff in it, what's everyone's sort of impressions of Cat's Paw? I like um, it, it's great. Excellent. <laughs> On to the next one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty well, typical TLS, isn't it? Like, so you're about seven-ish minutes into the episode, and Kirk tries to sex his way out of a problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he utterly prostitutes himself, doesn't he? He, uh, yeah. he really he he takes one for the team. Yeah, shamelessly, and yeah. that that is the that is first thing to, tra- yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> never conceived of the idea of togetherness before it excites me you excite me why for the same reasons you excite me you're a very beautiful woman <laughs> yeah there were several better solutions but that's what he went for sorry guys what the heck is that What's going on, Rick? Is that is that recording haunted? <laughs> I'm trying. I've got. I'm trying to. I've got some. I brought up some um, Halloween sound effects on YouTube. I'm just trying to, <laughs> I'm just trying to drop them. I'm just trying to drop them in every now and again to give the episode some ambience. Felt like someone would come into your room. Really you? <laughs> <laughs> <Are you> upset. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 
but like actually that that did sound a lot like the um the the witches that show up yeah. in cat's paw actually i mean they, they really embrace some sort of halloween uh kind of tacky stereotypes don't they i do tacky <laughs> brilliant i think you mean <laughs> you were commending the makeup will I, I thought really the, rated it. Yeah, I thought the, the makeup on the witches was a little bit frightening. <laughs> I mean, I was okay. I wasn't, you know. I was going to comment on on like soft makeup because I just it just distracts me way too much. <laughs> <laughs> Watching TOS in high tap and just like Spock um, bad makeup. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. We spot the edges. Yes. You're like, yeah. let in, please. That, that, that is the downside of the improvement in um, high-def screen technology, I'm yeah. afraid. Yeah. I so. mean, I, I, lo- I love that we sort of get um, in Cats for about probably about half an hour of quite stagey um, sort of back-and-forth conversation in a creepy castle and then then we get a giant cat attack <laughs> and it just goes absolutely batshit crazy <laughs> should, we just, should we just run through the the story itself because um it's uh, for the for the benefit of the listeners just to just to kind of give some context to what to what happens in the in the episode yeah absolutely <clears throat> Please go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't ask me to do it. I was saying, can someone else please do that? Because uh, <laughs> it'd be a really big help. <laughs> I remember it. I'm just, I'm, I, I'm, I'm kind of trying to remember why these aliens do the things that they do with the spooky house. Do you know, I, I don't think well, it's well explained it's not, even in the yeah. episode what, what their <laughs> motivation is. It's brilliant, though. I mean, it's a good view. Well, first, I think I, I first I assumed they were just trying to scare people off. That mm. made sense. Don't come here. You're going to be cursed. And then it would appear that they want them to come, and they're yeah, yeah, yeah. trying to entice them with, I don't know, jewels and yeah, like because they're trying to find out about humans i don't know <laughs> that's a really good point because it's science. like bring us all of your science they, they <laughs> don't want they don't want people to they don't want people to visit but if you do visit you can't leave which seems like a what <laughs> well that makes sense they, they don't you maybe care about them yeah it's like a, a weird lock-in <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But the I think that the episode starts with the with the death of a um, mm. an away team member, doesn't oh, it? Yeah. He literally just falls down the stairs when he um, shows up on the teleporter pad. Yeah, yeah. And so immediately Kirk is like, "Well, let's go down there. Yeah. <laughs> That's the most sensible thing." To be fair, he's looking for it. Well, you know, somebody dies. I gotta go down there. Yeah, yeah. Scotty and Sulu, so he's got to find him. Yeah, we've left, we've left two of the senior staff are captured on the planet, and so I've left um, our, 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 our seventh, eighth, ninth, eleventh uh, in command. Yeah, Assist- assistant chief engineer, I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah, assistant chief engineer and um, Pekov. 
<laughs> yeah, and che- Chekhov is wearing a, a pretty full wig in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's an awful, awful wig, isn't it? This is a, I mean, this is a wig. This is a wig-heavy episode, actually. <laughs> yeah, you're right, Rebecca. They were trying to mimic the monkeys, weren't they? Yeah, they were. Ah, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I read on um, Memory Alpha that he, I think this is the only episode where he wears a wig because he was still growing his hair into the haircut that they wanted. Brilliant. <laughs> um, but it looks, yeah, it's very full. Very full. Lustrous. <laughs> But why would they put him in that wig when that wig isn't the haircut that they wanted? (laughs) Just the wig that is the best wig they had. They've got to use their wig. I guess they have a wig budget. And they've got to use it. Obviously, lose it, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, they they ran through quite a number of wigs in this episode. I know, I know. It's brilliant. um, They they got their their wig worth in this episode. (laughs) Spent the, the, the next six months through to the end of the financial year with no wigs at all. <laughs> <laughs> we spent a lot. Maybe that's what what happened to all the tribbles. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> My favourite thing about Czech, well, uh, was uh, what's his name? Who was in charge? He kept referring referring to him as Mister. 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 Yeah. Well, not Mister. In yeah. a really passive-aggressive way. You don't get a name. You're just Mister. Yeah. Is that some? Is that some kind of title that they use on on ships? I was wondering. Yeah. Is it like? Is it like a? Is it like a naval term? Well, okay, my husband no, is nodding his head yes. He's just walking to the room. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to for the question? They refer to her as lieutenant at one point, but everyone else is Mister. Mm. But there's because um, in yeah. I think in Captain Pugwash there's Mister Mate, isn't there? Um, so so maybe that, maybe it's like maybe a Captain. I'm not saying it's Captain Pugwash related, but <laughs> but the, you know Captain Pugwash has a has a vessel in it. So. Funny yeah. enough, uh, not to sound <laughs> dork, but I did in fact scribble down in my notes that I picked up on the fact that everybody who's crewman is called crewman and everybody who's an officer is referred to as Mr. in the log in the first open so after um, mm. after he drops down off the transport pad and you have the opening sequence, you then you then you then get the obligatory captain's log. And and it, you get crewman, 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 and then everybody who's an officer is Mr. Captain's log, star date 3018.2. Crewman Jackson is dead. And there are no apparent physical causes. Mr. Scott and Mr. Sulu are still out of touch on the planet below. So I'm assuming it must be naval-inspired, 60s naval-inspired, isn't it? Right. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it definitely seems to be a form, apart from, like, say, Guys, apparently it goes back to the age of sail. You know, a, a lieutenant would be Mr. Jones or Mr. Midshipman Hornblower. Yeah, come on. There you go. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're learning something today. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Educational. <laughs> but you did miss the fun about about rubbers and Starfleet. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's non-canon. <laughs> <laughs> Does, is this um, is this Chekhov's first um, screen appearance? Actually, 
Uh, it depends where you think it's the start of season two, really. I think this might have been filmed earlier, but I think it's, it's, like it's shown quite late, um, sort of several episodes in. Ah, right. Do you know what? I think it was. I think I read it was the first filmed in season two, but it was held back so that it could be broadcast um, at Halloween. So, yeah, that, that ah. makes sense. So, I think yeah, it would be first. Yeah. So, that's why he wears a wig in this episode, but not in any other ones, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was that some more um, Halloween sound effects, Rick? No, no, that wasn't me. Oh, okay, okay. That was our cat. Oh, right, wow. Attacking Tim's cat. (laughs) Or rather, it was Tim reacting to the cat, trying to, like, claw through his work shirt. How how big is your cat? Is it it (laughs) as big as the cat in the cat's porn? (laughs) Because otherwise, that's... I'd say, actually, that's a a quite mute reaction. I'd hate to I'd hate to clean up after Sylvia in that form. <laughs> Jesus Christ! No, thank you. Yeah. Well, she she can she's she kind of turns she sort of switches between human form and cat form. So I I kind of hope like if she has to poop, she she turns into a human and and uses the usual method and then. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. I... Sylvia is an they're an alien, aren't they? They they don't they're not um, they're not au fait with human concepts. I mean, they might just go when they need to go. <laughs> she hopes she transforms into regular sized cats so she can use regular sized litter tray. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the episode budget didn't stretch to accommodate an oversized litter tray to keep it shut. <laughs> All the wig money, you know. <laughs> anyway, there's, um, yeah, it's odd that they don't go into the detail of that in the episode. It's almost as if, almost as if they throw that Yeah. Well, I mean, I heard that there was a cut scene with Scotty expressing his concern that that might have happened. Going, oh, well, at least they didn't dig a big old cat dump in the corridor, Captain. <laughs> and, you know, they had to like stop filming because they had to clean it up. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> like, <laughs> But yeah, it's a uh, it's a it's a really nutty episode. <laughs> it's episode, isn't it? Um, I kind of love it. I, I don't think that it's a necessarily a great episode of Star Trek, but I, I really enjoyed rewatching it a good bit. It, it is. It's absolutely bonkers, um, but it's delightfully so. I think it's one of those episodes of Star Trek that he's just like, I don't know what the. Flip is going on, but it's just so much. You just if you can just go with it, it's so much fun. Yeah, yeah. Any, it, any episode, anything with um, uh, a skeleton in manacles, yeah, it's got my attention. It's a lot of. It's just. There's, there's a nice moment when um, Kirk and Spock. I think it's the second time they're thrown in the dungeon, and they're discussing the situation. And Kirk keeps glancing over at the skeleton. At one point, he'd like. I don't know if this is something the director said or Shatner added this touch or what, but Kirk literally just adopts the same pose as the man, as the skeleton with his, like, his head cocked to one side. <laughs> I'm just like, Spock's trying to make a serious point and you're there copying <laughs> skeletons. What are you doing? 
It's, it's like captains. It's a serious situation. It's like, look at me. I'm a skeleton. <laughs> yeah. In order, in order to, in order to get into the how to get out of this scenario, I've got to think like a skeleton. <laughs> Be a skeleton. <laughs> Um, this this episode also has an absolutely brilliant line of dialogue where um, where Sylvia is is saying to the captain, saying, "Oh, you're so so clever and uh, sophisticated and, and handsome," and um, and Spark says, "Do not let her touch the one, Captain." <laughs> 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 I mean, I, I did when I heard. I did like a cartoon double take. <laughs> You're very clever, Captain. More so than I'd imagined. Clever, resourceful, and handsome. Don't let her touch the wand, Captain. That should be on the uh, on the condoms. Listeners, listeners, that is a very that's a very funny comment. <laughs> well, you have no context for it. <laughs> we, we should, yeah. B- before we started recording, we we were riffing on the idea of some unusual Star Trek merchandise, and. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it was contraception based, and we've just found the ideal branding. <laughs> um, oh, I feel like I should explain in the context of the episode. Um, Kirk does have he's he's kind of stolen the wand yeah. off Sylvia. It's like a, it's like a magic staff, and so um, that is what Spock is referring to. Um, but yeah, it's a hilarious line. I loved it. <laughs> so. Um, cat, I mean, cat spot. It's a Halloween episode. It, was anyone scared? No, no. no. <laughs> but I was, I was very entertained. I mean, I don't even know if you scared as a kid watching it. Maybe in the sixties. Maybe. It's a difficult one, isn't it? Because like, you go like, um, my parents grew up afraid of Daleks, having watched Doctor Who, and. You watch sixties and seventies Doctor Who now, and in, and to modern terms, it's a little, it's a little bit tame, right? Mm. And maybe in the sixties, this yeah. it might have qualified as scary. Yeah, yeah. and an old timey TV, I can imagine it might be, about might be a bit more atmospheric. I mean, it's very atmospheric yeah. anyway, but that's mm. oh, how yeah. I say. <clears throat> but it's just a lot of fun. I found it to be. A, it's a great episode, I would say, to watch first if you're having a Star Trek Halloween Trek watch because it's because yeah. it's fun, it's lighthearted, and sets the it's a, sets the it's, mood. It's a concept they revisit again and again throughout Star Trek, right? So after after you've got Sylvia, you then um, in TNG you get Q, you get Ardra, and she was the, probably the closest parallel, right? Yes. Um, in, even in TOS, oh, yeah. you get Trelane, um, and there's some of them that are, where, where the abilities are natural, and some of them are technology. And with Sylvia, it's a mixture of the both. And yeah, there's a like like it was such a great concept. It, it came back quite a few times um, for you know the captain of the data phase. Yeah, they usually meet some sort of bored, powerful. Alien that's kind of posing as a sort of a space wizard esque character, 
Mm. But um, yeah, yeah, and yeah. And the motivation is often either it's a test, or um, yeah, or the or the alien turns out to be sort of childlike, and mm. they're just messing about. Um, in I mean, in in Catsport, the aliens turned out to be sort of rejects from Button Moon or, um, uh, slash Finger Mouse like they're, they're really weird little sort of tiny puppets so and it's, it's a shame that Kirk murdered them at the end of the film. <laughs> yeah those things are cuter than Tribbles and smaller than Tribbles I mean like it begs the question why they made like their magic wand kind of a foot and a half long yeah. so, there's a there's some I've rewatched it today and gone back and gone like I'm gonna. There's going to be some head cannon need filling in here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't spot this last time, and now now I've got problems. <laughs> um, just just for any American listeners, um, if you're not familiar with Button Moon, Google it. Because <laughs> <laughs> honestly, we can't. Sorry, I was it. Sorry, Rebecca. <laughs> The button moon landings are fake. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a button. <laughs> it's a marble. <laughs> so is, is button moon is button moon a flat moon? Is that a flat moon? I suppose it would be being a button. <laughs> so in, in in the interest of uh, of time, should we should we move on? <laughs> Um, Shall we have a chat about Voyages, the Haunting of Deck 12? Yeah, because this this episode title does contain the word haunting and therefore it does qualify as a (laughs) Halloween episode, right? Yeah. It has to. But it's not very haunted. (laughs) Yeah, Um, I mean, we we, we can debate the level of haunting that actually occurs, but ultimately I think the the thrust of the story is... (laughs) Neelix and the Borg children sit around doing ghost stories, or Neelix tells them a ghost story, which, you know, I think kind of fits very much in a Halloween kind of style. Um, Yeah. I suppose the the spookiness really comes from the fact that all of the lights are off. Yeah, I quite, I quite like that. Like, it's it's nice, simple, primal, atmospheric, like, just straight away... All the lights go off, and of course, by this point, you already know Neelix is claustrophobic, afraid of the dark, and um, yeah, I thought it was a, just a really nice touch for atmosphere. Mm. I think they do a good job because, the, as the viewer, you have no idea what's going on. Something's going on as it opens. They're going into a place and they're powering down the ship. Something's happening, and all the crew know, but you don't know, and the kids don't know. So you kind of, you kind of almost have to join the Borg children round the camp, round the sort of. The, not campfire, but you know the equivalent campfire, and listen to Neelix's story. Mm. So it's quite a nice, it's a nice idea in that sense, mm. and the way they pull that off is quite fun. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, I think that that thread with the kids follows right the way through, right? They're like the inner monologue of the like the adrenaline that runs through the episode. It's like maybe it's this, maybe it's that, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. All the way through, that kind of that interruption. Like it's it's the same thing that you're feeling as the viewer as you're going like, oh what's this then? And what's that? Like are you, yes. I, yeah, they 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 are totally the lens character. And yeah. Yeah. Particularly is it Mazzati, the little girl one? Mm. 
she's she's the one who wants to carry on. Whereas kind of Echeb is being that dick who's like, oh, well, that, that, makes, that doesn't make sense. He starts picking holes like a... I mean... Oh, no, I just said he was showing his colors at an early age. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I quite liked that you had a character who was uh, calling bullshit on Neelix's story. <laughs> because, because, again, I mean, like, like you say, that actually fed into how you, would, how you were thinking about it as an audience. There's, like, a part of you that's sort of questioning, well, what's Neelix going on about? <laughs> Is this real... <laughs> Oh, well, not to the extent I was like saying, oh, Nadians don't work through the bizarre collectors or whatever his complaint was. <laughs> but, oh, you didn't pick up on that, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like to think it's almost a little commentary on those people who, who, who nitpick the tiny little details and, and start bitching about um, canon to an extreme extent, though. Because <laughs> yeah. like, Neelix's response is, the details don't matter, the point is the story. You're not remembering correctly. I beg your pardon? The Bassard collectors don't produce Nadion emissions. Well, the technical details don't matter. Very nice. Yeah. I will know what happens to each episode, you know. <laughs> <laughs> what, too soon? Very <laughs> true. <laughs> um. I do. I do quite like that Neelix. Um, Neelix is is really afraid in a lot of scenes of this episode. Like like you, you were saying, um, down with his claustrophobia, um, and that sort of makes it like it's a kind of an effective like horror trope to have a character who's really terrified of something. Well, that worked pretty well. Yeah. yeah. Ethan Phillips did a really good job of being a guy who was afraid pretending to be smiley to kids who were who trying to make them not afraid like that mm. like the, the, the whole fake smile he's doing like yeah i thought yeah i thought that was really well done because there's a lot of layers to that yeah definitely but yeah as, as, as we sort of intimated um the actual haunting level is kind of minimal there's a, there's some there's some effort to sort of establish this presence is there and i think there's quite a good bit where um it starts releasing some sort of gas into the cargo bay and um, Seven has to run out. And there's, a, there's quite a good sort of peering down shot of Seven as she's trapped, which I thought was mm. quite atmospheric. But, mm. um, yeah, um, I, don't know, I, don't, I don't know if it necessarily completely succeeded as a, as a, as a terrifying ghost story. What do you guys think? I, I think one problem is that you, the way that it's framed as a story from Neelix in the, the bulk of the episode you you're always sort of aware that surely the outcome was, was fine mm. because that even that there's points in Neelix's story where they're they're um evacuating the ship uh because this this entity that's come on board is is taking control of Voyager but you know that there's always that thought at the back of your mind it's like well surely that all worked out okay <laughs> because <Yes. laughs> Mm. Yeah. Just telling the story. So, yeah. plus, if you if you're talking about whether or not it stands up as a as a haunting, as a, a scary, it, it, it's evident from the beginning that it's just another alien invasion. So yeah, it kind of, and there's that there's that wonderful bit um, where Harry Kim runs into I I don't know her name, another crew member who keeps running through. 
running through all the things that could have happened because they, they're alone in the dark and she jumped out at him to attack him and she was yeah. saying, oh, well, you could have been so-and-so-and-so-and-so-and-so-and-so. Yeah, and he was species, like, well, he, whatever. And... Yeah, he was like, well, what makes you think that would have happened? And they're like, well... All of the things that have happened up until now. <laughs> Maybe the reason we can't find anyone is because they've all been assimilated. Slow down. There was an environmental failure on the bridge. That's why it's been evacuated. I don't know what happened in sick bay or on decks three and four, but I'm sure there's a perfectly reasonable explanation. Uh-uh. No one's been assimilated. <laughs> yeah, that's it. All of the times Voyager has been boarded <laughs> by by. by- aliens it's like that's quite a rational thought that that is what's happening yeah and in a way it's exactly what's happened yeah um i don't know the, the the general consensus i get when when haunting of that father is discussed tends to be that like it's a mediocre episode right it's it's fine. It's there. It's 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 part of it, it, it's something that bridges you from the previous episode to the next episode. As a Halloween episode, I think it's great. You actually get two Halloween episodes here, right? Because the first half is there's a haunting, and then by about halfway through the episode, you go, "Ah, it's not a ghost at all. It's actually it's an organism, and it's taken over the computer." And then all of a sudden, it turns into like. Aliens and 2001 Space Odyssey, and it's Janeway arguing with a computer and Ooh. trying to stay alive, and you get like a completely different type of horror from that. Um, and I thought that that was really, really good. Good value for money. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do actually quite enjoy the Janeway computer sequences because um, it's not direct; it's quite sort of generic computer statements but it's used in this form of communication Janeway's trying to sort of figure out and it's, it's that's quite nice because it's such a the, obviously the computer voice is is something that's very ingrained to all Star Trek fans we know what that is we know what that's like so it's kind of quite effective use of that I thought <laughs> manual helm control enabled you're returning control of the ship affirmative you want me to take you back to the nebula Affirmative. Yeah, it's an added level of darkness of mm. like that's the voice that's consigning you to death. Yeah, yeah. When when Majel Barrett is is, uh, is is kind of like then the enemy in that you're a bit like whoa okay. <laughs> but you're so nice. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and those kind of familiar um, phrases uh, used to sort of communicate something different. And that was sort of effectively mm. creepy, I thought, mm. as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think my my overall opinion of it, though, is, is like, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> it's good. Okay. So, um, should we move on? To, should we move? On to next generation, um, yeah. And there's a there's a few sort of ones we can play with in next generation. I think. Should we ever talk about night terrors? Oh yeah, <laughs> but guys, guys, wait a minute. I just need Never. to I just have a problem here. I'm just trying to. Ah, right. There's a, there's an owl in my room. What? I'm just trying to get, get this owl out. <laughs> go away, go away, owl. <laughs> <laughs> Right, I'm just going to try and get this owl out of my room. Is the owl okay? I don't know if you should call him out. <laughs> this is uh, quite, 
incredible radio theater. Um, <laughs> that, that, yeah, it's gone. Uh, that was that was that was a scary time. So, uh, I'm better now. It's good. I mean, I don't know why you didn't do, why you didn't do this when we did the the, the live stage show. I'll sit there with little cubes on my phone, and I'll I'll just press random buttons and make noise. <laughs> <laughs> we might have to put out a bit of a warning when we put this episode out to listeners with a weak disposition yeah. <laughs> or people who have an owl phobia <laughs> yeah yeah trigger warning owls I'm sure, there is, I'm sure there is a phobia of owls oh there must be mustn't there people have been killed by owls Google yeah. this yeah. You know. not that owl <laughs> Well, those people, those people, um, you know, took a loan from an owl and didn't pay it back. Phobia, Whoa! <laughs> Rebecca's bringing all the serious knowledge tonight. I'm loving that. <laughs> Somebody has to. Don't they? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll, I'll be honest. I thought when when we when I was looking at night terrors i thought if anything rick's going to do an awesome bg's impression changing night fever to night terrors but he, he blew my mind with an owl so you know <laughs> it's a very specific thing that you imagine me doing yeah. <laughs> it's really it's really incredibly so in fact yeah. But, uh... <laughs> um so yeah the actual episode night terrorist um, so this is a season four next gen episode where the Enterprise is investigating the um, the sudden lo- la- loss of communication with the USS Britain, uh, finding them tr- essentially trapped in a Tycan's rift. Um, the crew seem to have gone crazy and murdered each other or something. Um, um, and then the Enterprise crew starts falling t- into the same same issues. They start having distinct issues sleeping they're hearing voices seeing things it's all going a bit crazy um it's it's got some effective stuff in this one i thought when they beam over to the Bretagne, the the commanding officers literally sat in their chair with a big old uh, blade stuck in the chest it's quite like oh okay we started quite horrific here yeah, it's unusually gruesome for a TNG episode. I was a bit taken aback by some of the some of the deaths of the um, yeah the officers that they find on that ship. Hmm. Yeah, some this pretty mad stuff. Um, and likewise, when the Enterprise crew starts um, succumbing to the uh, problems and they they can't get into a, a REM sleep, so uh, there's some fairly disturbing stuff going on. Yeah, it's, it's a nice it's, use of a go, sort of a ghost ship concept, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and then and then it sort of goes into more of a psychological horror uh, when everyone's not getting their REM sleep and they 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 can't hold it together. Um, so yeah, you've got you've got that really effective, creepy opening, and then it gets more um, sort of in in internal, I suppose. I re- mm. There's a really uh, quite an affecting scene where Worf. Um, kind of loses it and he goes to his quarters and he's he's going to kill himself mm. and Troy um, actually d- does something really useful in this episode <laughs> <laughs> and goes and stops him um, 
And it's a really no, good scene. Because it... <laughs> he does, I mean, at the opening of the episode, there is a great bit where Troy does one of her best, um, uh, most unhelpful <laughs> comments, the, the captain, where they come across that, that ship and uh, she says, There is life on board, but... What is it? I don't know. Something... And then she just kind of shrugs. <laughs> yeah. Why is she even on the bridge? Come on. You, you kind of expect her at that point to go to the captain and just go like, I think Worf's sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but actually, aside from that, it's, I, I think it's a pretty good uh, Troy episode, actually. Mm. She, she does get to do some... Um, some really good stuff in it. Mm. It is unfortunate that there's some really unflattering effect sequences mm. uh, with her in a dream sequence where she's clearly just sort of hoisted by the by the middle and kind of hung unceremoniously on, over a green screen. Yeah, it's, it's just not. It's not a great look for her, is it? No, it's. I mean, you, it's. It's. You can't see the wires, but it's quite apparent that she's just dangling. Bless her. I think. I think Marina Sirtis has has um, come out and said since then that she's a little bit embarrassed of this episode because of that, because yeah. of how she looks in those sequences. Which is sad, actually, because you know this is kind of a Troy saves the day. She figures this out. Yes, she's the one with with, with the pieces of the puzzle, and she's the one who puts it together. You know, she's, she, there's the scene where um, they're trying to work out the message to send, and Data's all like, "Okay, here's an inventory of every material we've got on the Enterprise that we might be able to cause an explosion with." If we could communicate this inventory to the other ship, perhaps they would be able. No, to- Data, no. This is too complex. It has to be a simple, clear message. And she's like, "I ain't remembering that shit. We need something really simple." You know? <laughs> yeah. And then she figures out the hydrogen atom thing, and she's like, "Ah, that's what it is. They're 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 sending us the message." So, yeah, and I I really like that. Actually, it turns out the Enterprise crew didn't kind of come to the rescue in this episode. Mm. They actually they didn't. The, the the other alien crew had the idea to get them out of it. They just hadn't understood the message yet. Mm. Um, I thought that was actually a nice little twist. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think there's some nice touches in terms of, uh, um, I'm not just saying this because Rebecca's on with us, but Crusher, I think, has got uh, Gates McFadden turns in some awesome performance stuff here. She seems so frantic. She does, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it's a great performance. Yeah. Um, and I yeah, think there's a really spooky scene with all the bodies in the morgue. In the morgue. Or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> just like she knows it's a hallucination, but it's still freaking her out. That's a really that's a, that's actually a, a, a genuinely good technique to use with ghosts that are bothering you. Just just tell them off. <laughs> Apparently. Oh, okay. I've heard, I've heard. Like yeah. you you just you just talk to them and, and command them to, to quit bothering you and it can work. So yeah. That was some good knowledge that Crusher had. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that was the way she liked to be bothered. Yeah. <laughs> bothered in the right way. Uh, that's yeah. 
That's Jane, mate. <laughs> you never bother me. Except the way I love to be bothered. I understand. <laughs> yeah, I, I also note that um, as they get close later in the episode, they um, they start putting less makeup on people and letting the hair go a little bit crazy as well to, to signify yeah. they haven't slept well. <laughs> Although, uh, noting that, I think Troy looks... I, d- I think Troy looks more beautiful in this episode than she does in most episodes when she's caked in makeup. I just, I, yeah, that's just my little note. Mm. Ah. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, if 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 Marina Sirtis is listening, which I'm almost a hundred percent certain oh, she okay. definitely is. Yeah, definitely. Um, Absolutely. There's 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 yeah there's there's a compliment about your inner beauty shining through. You don't need makeup, Marina. Because you're just lovely. <laughs> I hope I hope Marina skipped through all the bits where I was talking about how unflattering those effects were. <laughs> yeah, many apologies for that. You balanced it out, though. Yes, uh, I, yeah. I hope that's how, that's how she sees it. Fix <laughs> that in the editing. Well, it's not that yes. she, yeah. yeah, she didn't choose to do those effects. So no, yeah. she didn't. She yeah. didn't design like the, how that was all going to work. <laughs> no, she just tied it around her waist and yeah. pointed it. I'm looking on memory big... alpha. On memory alpha, it says that Marina said that she requested more action scenes. <laughs> so then they gave her this, but she was afraid of heights. So <laughs> she was terrified the whole time. Oh no! Oh. That backfired. Maybe, maybe yeah. that actually sort of um, kind of played into those scenes a bit because, like, you know, she she did act pretty terrified. <laughs> she did. She was having a nightmare. So yeah, it fits in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I I really really like Night Terrors. Actually, I re- I like any any episode of Star Trek where they deal with like dreams and sleep, and I <clears> don't know why. I just think Star Trek has a really interesting take on that that kind of thing hmm. and it's just a little bit you know it's where it's where star trek gets into the sort of edge of of science hmm. and into the realms of of you know the unknown yeah and this thing is pretty cool uh, and, well, I, and i think some of the some of the the unnerving creepiness in this episode is pretty effective actually yeah <laughs> i like it yeah 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 i think um in terms of like scary stories in for halloween this is probably probably one of the creepiest certainly of, of the of the three we've talked about so far this has got some genuine genuinely creepy moments mm. yeah I mean, you wouldn't be creeped out by a load of shrouded bodies sat up in a morgue that's yeah. terrifying and the the star trek play on the on the constant knock on the door i love that oh, bit. God, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah where picard hears um yeah his his <laughs> office door chime and then yeah. There's an actual knock. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. That was good. And I like. I, I love just. That. I, I love anything that harks back to the fact that it is a ship. It all. You know. It's based. You know. A, a, a spaceship is a ship at sea, and they have. And the going back to the the, the terror of being becalmed, and they're becalmed next to a, a dead ship, mm. and they're now being affected by that by whatever you know killed everyone on that ship and just that that terror of of being alone and yeah it is yeah 
Oh yeah, I mean you, you could totally see this as two like old sailing ships and a, yeah. and a, and a, a really yeah. a big thick fog around the pair of them and, and the yeah. ocean. Oh, yeah. I've heard a knocking on the door. The ice. I, sorry. No, no, no I've said it. <laughs> I said knocking on the door actually snapped me out of the action a little bit. Action, but it, it, it because I was a bit like, how do you physically knock on an automatic door? <laughs> my local Sainsbury's has got all of their COVID information on their automatic door, so as soon as you approach, it disappears. <laughs> and so every time I watched that, I was a bit like, you'd have to be like, kind of planted against the wall and just like reach around, hoping the sensor won't get you, and just like give it a bit of a knock like that. <laughs> well, isn't actually though? Isn't that part of? Um, wasn't that part of the creepiness of it? Because they don't knock on doors. Mm. Nobody ever knocks on doors on the Enterprise. Maybe Picard. they hadn't actually knocked. Yeah, okay, so it was like in Picard's head. Yeah. Maybe, or, but maybe Picard always but locks again, his door. Yeah, because in, case yeah. he, in case he's got his relaxation lamp on, he's having a quiet read or something. <laughs> having a captain's moment. Yeah. <laughs> this is Jean Luc's personal time. <laughs> a captain's moment. I like it. Like <laughs> Good way to describe it. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners can interpret that in any way they choose. <laughs> yeah. Everyone needs a captain's moment every now and again. <laughs> that, that can go on the merchandise for a captain's moment. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> That's what they should have called um, Captain's Holiday. <laughs> should have just called that episode Captain's Holiday. Captain's Moment. Of course, yeah. No, no. Let me mention it. Of course, the door doesn't open automatically. You turn up at the you, you turn up at his ready room and you push the buzzer and you wait for him to say, "Come in." Yes. Yeah. yeah. So th they could just bang on the door if they wanted to. <laughs> so, uh, don't we see it oh no I, there's another episode where I'm thinking of that but uh, I always find when, when they go to someone's quarters and there's some sort of emergency they press the buzzer and they literally wait less than two seconds mm. and go emergency oh, override computer emergency entry chief medical officer Beverly Crusher you know I never answer my door that flipping quick. <laughs> that's, that's a trope. It's beyond the loo. That's a trope right the way yeah. through Star Trek, though, isn't it? That you go kind of, um, hell them, no response. <laughs> no, they, they haven't answered in a second. Right, launch torpedo. Yeah. Yeah, open fire. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas when you, see, when you see our heroes, you're focusing on our heroes on the bridge. I say, oh, we're receiving a hail. And they go, oh, Okay, so let's think about whether we should hail them back. They take about twenty minutes to decide, and yeah. Uh, well, I can't say I'll put it. I'll take it in my ready room. <laughs> yeah. um, a couple of you know, twenty seconds walk. Yeah, it's to open fire by the time he got to his door. It's a big bridge. He has to walk a long way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine the the kind of really thick atmosphere as as Picard says hail them, and Worf says they'd like. They've requested 20 seconds so we can go somewhere private. Uh, we'll be with you in just a minute. Um, 
Any plans for the weekend? Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm putting you through, Captain, but uh, the, the other time, ship's just oh, yeah. asking for a delay while he has a captain's moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Fibula, I'm just going to put Captain Picard on mute uh, for a second because I can't say what's happening. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, so, um, yeah, okay, so Night Terrors. Yeah, ge- genuinely some creepy stuff going on with that one. Yeah. That's pretty good. Awesome. Uh, okay, um, we'll stay with the next generation, shall we? Um so another really scary one is Schisms. Mm. Um, how many of us got the chance to watch Schisms? But uh, it is, it's a pretty creepy episode. That's like Night really Terrors. Creepy. Yeah, like Night Terrors, it deals with sleep issues. Um, I think we focus a lot more on Riker this time, who seems to be constantly tired. Um, and, you know, actually, this is an episode I find Riker the most relatable because I'm frequently feeling tired. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I thought his I, when I, the opening of this episode where he's having trouble sleeping. I, I have to admit, my first thought was, well, his pajamas are too thick. He's, he's too warm. That's why he can't sleep. And he can't. He can't crack a window, can he? <laughs> he, can, oh, anyway, he can. He can crack anything. Yeah, warm milk and nutmeg. That was. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, sleep nude. That's what I would say. I mean, I, I'm surprised like Riker wears anything in bed. Like that—that that was a shock. Oh, re- yeah, Riker would sleep nude. He would. Yeah. No, he wouldn't. Yeah. Uh, uh, have you considered a slightly more comfortable pillow? <laughs> no, everyone's got to have a sparkly space pillow. <laughs> have you considered not sleeping on sequins? <laughs> Yeah, not, not sleeping on for law. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this, there's some comedic moments going through schism. Like um, Data does has a poem about his cat. Which is oh yeah, yeah. It's a very famous moment uh, and quite beautiful in its way. I love all, I love all that stuff. Yeah. Um, we, we see Mr. Mott, the barber, again, which is always good. In fact, we do brilliant. We cut into uh, the middle. Basically, Mr. Mott seems to be telling some sort of joke or story. <laughs> hilarious end. And we cut in the middle. Um, and it says something, something like... And so she said, if they're not squirming, we won't eat them. <laughs> and, just like, what? <laughs> and he's laughing. You're just like, I don't know what I've just missed, but... Uh, <laughs> you said it, Mark. <laughs> right? Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> After that scene, HR were being called because Mark, this is this is like the fifth or sixth time Mark's made an inappropriate joke. <laughs> 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 He's on his final warning. It's not, enough. It's, not, it's not. It's not enough. He's not meeting his quota of. Of, of 20 inappropriate <laughs> jokes a week. Yeah, that, that's it. <laughs> um, but, everyone needs entertaining. <laughs> um, but yeah, then it all comes to a head. So yeah, Worf gets his hair cut, but it's, it's frightened of scissors. Riker's obviously not sleeping, and then he freaks out about the edge of the console um, when he's trying to show the helm officer a basic move. And they all sort of realise something's going on. 
And I think one of the creepiest bits is when R- Crusher realizes Rikers hadn't is at the end of his arm severed and reattached. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like shit. So some space, essentially, an alien life form is, is abducting members of the crew and chopping them up and then putting them back together and just experimenting on them in the in the, in the night. And it's it's actually really creepy because um, when they depict the area, it's like this weird lab that all strapped to tables, and instruments, and these aliens in hoods and cloaks are making these clicking noises. When, yeah, when they're on the holodeck and they're like, and the clicking, no, louder, faster, and like that's just so creepy. Louder, faster, more of them. I've been in this room before. We've all been here before. That's, that's the same effect you should have had. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If Rick had got his altus click its fingers, bloody hell, we'd have been terrified. I'm not getting that guy back. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was hard enough to get him out the first time. The the arm out of place bit. I always confuse that. I always think that turns up in clues, where that's the one where Data's the only one that knows about the we're going to destroy your ship unless you pretend that you've never been here. Oh yes, yes, yeah. yeah. All, yeah, yeah, no. Um, but this is part of schisms. That yeah, one of the because th- there's a, a poor unfortunate fella. They literally replace his blood with some other substance, yeah. and he's like, and I'm I think, yeah. <laughs> And that's that's the point where Crusher overrides the medical lockout on the door because um, he's he's taken more than. 0.4 of a second to answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's rude, that is. <laughs> well, in fairness, his, his blood had been replaced by a liquid polymer or something. So, yeah. Um, you, you kind of think, like, I mean, there's risky medical procedures and there's risky medical procedures. Surely, when you replace his blood, you go like, are you sure, Dave? This guy don't look right. Who's <laughs> <laughs> was thinking that. Yeah. Like, yeah, Glarbox, Glarbox, are you sure you put the blood back? Because you did. You made this mistake last time and that guy yeah. died. It's not, yeah. It doesn't look very good. Remember all the other times we replaced replace people's blood with other substances? Never once has that worked. Yeah, it didn't work with... we shouldn't. Oh, it's not worked. <laughs> it didn't work with jam. It didn't work with, it didn't work with gravy. Yeah. <laughs> you can't replace blood with something that's not blood, you know. <laughs> and I know we've got giant hands, but you know, it was, it was, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, I tell you something that struck me actually with with the whole Riker's arm had been cut off and reattached, um, and there was a few microns out of alignment in the episode of DS Nine episode Defiant, where Thomas Riker steals the Defiant. Oda and Cisco explaining why a marquee guy's got the got their warship to Golda Cartner. And I was like, there was no way to tell this wasn't the real commander William Riker. <laughs> but, well there is. You could have checked if his arm was out of alignment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but wouldn't Beverly have fixed that? I don't know. I mean, it, it seems fairly minor. It's, it seems a little bit overkill to cut it off and reattach again. <laughs> just 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 for the sake of a few microns. He hadn't complained about it. <laughs> Something each chef would have picked up on, isn't it? Yeah, oh, he would so. have been. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Is your hand slightly further to the left than it used to be? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there's blame, there's a claim. He could have sued the, sued the Slanagen based life forms. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I end up, I sometimes confuse schisms and night terrors. In fact, I was describing yes. uh, um, night terrors to Gemma, and when we watched it, I realised, wait, I described schisms. <laughs> <laughs> completely a different episode and listening to the, all this description i really wish we'd have watched schism i'm sorry <laughs> it's an excellent episode jim i recommend when i will i'm gonna go and watch it sorry i made you sit care. through night terrors no, instead I, I liked obviously um we're recording this prior to halloween even though i'm gonna and i intend to release it on halloween um that's probably a great way to spend halloween jim watch watch schisms yeah i think i might yeah because yeah. I I love I love seeing the uh, TNG crew just like strung out and losing it. Do. I, I don't know why. Love it. But any episode where where yeah they 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 just can't handle it. So, like um, I really love um, uh, Genesis in in season seven, which a lot of people would consider to be not a brilliant episode. Maybe an example of where season seven goes a bit too silly. <laughs> I, I just love it. I love it when, when the TNG. I don't know what you're talking about. Season seven, <laughs> really. season seven is serious episodes all the way through. Yeah. <laughs> Especially masks. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I just Most love serious of all. <laughs> yeah, Sch- Schisms really does it for me. Um, mm. I love it. And I, I think this is, um, yeah, again, like, I think the, the, the horror and the creepiness is pretty effective in this episode. And considering there was only so much they could do on TNG, they couldn't go too far because they had sort of TV standards mm. to keep to. I, I think it was really, you know, really effective stuff. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, I think that's the beauty of some of stuff like this when TV rules are quite restrictive. It, it encourages some creativity to really get some scares across. And I think they've done very well with this episode. Yeah. Schisms did leave the potential for a follow-up as well, because something comes through the, the portal, doesn't it? Mm. Like a little, a little ball of energy or whatever. Something comes through and flies off into space. It does. Yeah. So. Sadly, only followed up in comics and books though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I think yeah. maybe maybe in lower decks they could they could have that. Oh, they could. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, they followed it up in a in a next gen comic, and the guy whose blood was replaced, his he, in, in the comic, his sister was captain of another ship. Another ship, so she had an axe to grind with those life forms. Um, and then I think in one of the books, one of the novels for Titan, um, Riker and Commander the Titan encounters them again. So. So that's yeah, that's quite. Good. In fact, I've got. I think I have a copy of that particular book signed by um, the author. I got it signed at DST. Very nice. Yeah, just that's my little little. I was going to say humble breakfast, and yes, just. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if the um, I wonder if the aliens that were doing the experiments. I wonder because they wear sort of um, spooky spooky robes. But I, I'm, I'm wondering if that was sort of like a. Dressed down, dressed down Friday. Normally they wear three-piece suits, tuxedos. <laughs> throw on your dressing gown and get on with it. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, my office never does. It made me think about it. Made me think about how in um, sort of the the shows where they investigate, like the shows like Most Haunted, and shows like that. There's often often the monk ghost. There'll be a monk, <laughs> and I'm like, man, there's a lot of monk ghosts. <laughs> why are they, why are monks always becoming ghosts? Because they. <laughs> Yeah, it just made me because the the creepy rose made me think of um, that sort of spooky archetype of a of a hooded road figure. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and uh, in, in the in the great era of Most Haunted, when Derek Akora, R.I.P., mm. was was part of it, they, uh, often they're starting to be like, it, "There's a monk, there's a monk," and <laughs> just made me think of that. Uh, again, American listeners may have to Google this. Um, <laughs> Your Google history is going to be brilliant after this. I'm episode. sure in Ghost Adventures, uh, in the, in the American ones, there'll be, 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 be monks like. and stuff. <laughs> Button Moon and Derek Akora, it'd be amazing. <laughs> what a night. <laughs> Get a bottle of whiskey and that's it. <laughs> that's a great that's Halloween. That's night sorted. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, Moving on then to our next episode on my list, uh, we'll stay in next generation, and we're going to talk Sub Rosa. <laughs> ah, of course, <laughs> literally, we're all laughing before we've even said anything about the episode. It's both well, so uh, completely a ghost story. Um, Sub Rosa begins with the funeral of. Um, you're all laughing. It's a funeral. Um, a terrible, Doctor Terrible, terrible people. <laughs> <laughs> no, some funerals can be pretty hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Well, but the fun in funeral. Um, <laughs> oh um, dear. Yeah, the um, the funeral of Doctor Crusher's beloved Nana, um, who has has passed away, and, they, and apparently lives on some sort of Scottish colony planet, mm. um, which is. Oddly portrayed in places, if I'm honest. Uh, um, Scotch, Scotch, I think. Indeed. Not <laughs> Scot- you pronounced it wrong, Rick. It's not Scottish. <laughs> it's Scotch. Yeah, Picard says it. So. <laughs> Tell me, Governor, I'm curious. You're obviously not Scots yourself. <laughs> what was it that drew you here? The fact that Patrick Stewart, of all people, didn't query that line he had to deliver. <laughs> he said, you're not Scotch yourself. No, he isn't a bottle of whiskey. Well, it's his regard. I think well, he was just like... If you, if you look up Paldos on, on Memory Alpha, he actually was terraformed to evoke the Scottish Highlands. <laughs> oh. So Just, obviously, when they terraformed the planet, they also terraformed the people. Yes, <laughs> that's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> good. Clearly, by the twenty fourth century, the Scottish Highlands are going to look like they're kind of contained in a studio and mostly fake grass <laughs> and like rising mist. <laughs> yeah. Lots of mist. <laughs> In short order, um, Beverly discovers that Hanana had a toy boy, um, and there's also a candle that seems to be some, somewhat contentious with, a, with, with one of her neighbours, 
Um, and then Beverly meets the toy boy and begins having Did crazy... I like that candle? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness, yeah. So Beverly... Is the candle. Scottish person of the group. <laughs> Yeah, um, Beverly begins engaging in crazy ghost sex. Um, <laughs> I can't even follow this through to the end. I think it's pretty standard ghost sex. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, do we actually know? <laughs> I don't think, I mean, I think, you know, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, I'm no expert, sadly. <laughs> but um, but I, I, feel, I feel like it's pretty regular ghost more sex. Of, more of a dabbler. Uh, well, I th- I think all the <laughs> dabbles in ghost sex. I would say like you know, stay on the stay on the front and we'll be fine. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> and then uh, yeah. Well, all, all that all that really happens on screen is that Beverly Crusher gets gets touched on the shoulder, mm. um, and that that but that is enough. She, well, that can be a that can be a very erogenous stone for some people. Yeah, <laughs> there isn't even a nineties rom com kind of fall off camera sideways. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it was supposed to be their attempt at a gothic, like gothic romance kind of thing, um, given the clothing that um, Ronan was wearing. Mm, yeah. yeah, I mean, there's a um, there's a character in this called Quint, which I I think is probably a nod to the uh, Turn of the Screw. Originally, I have to admit, originally I thought it was a nod to Jaws for some reason. But I couldn't see the connection to Jaws. <laughs> um. Yeah, well, because it was. I mean, there's a lot of rumors that it was inspired by an Anne Rice novel. Um, But then they kind of say, no, no, it wasn't. It's just a gothic story. Uh, But They probably didn't want to have to pay any uh, royalties. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, um, I would say I I don't find this episode very scary. As a kid, I watched a lot of Star Trek, and this one, when this one was rerunning on the, like, Sky One 5pm slot every day, Sub Rosa is actually the last episode of Next Generation I watched, where I tuned in and went, I've not seen this one before. (laughs) (laughs) And what what a treat (laughs) you have presented. Can you imagine if the last episode you got to watch was Best of Both Worlds in some mirror universe? (laughs) Can you imagine if somebody's first episode was Sub Rosa? (laughs) Right. Can you imagine somebody's first exposure to Star Trek is Sub Rosa? (laughs) Whoa. Those are the people who switched to Babylon 5. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I love me some Bev. I love Bev. But yeah, this episode was just I mean, ridiculous. On the other hand, we get to have a lot of fun with I it. Find it's it's brilliant fun. It really is. It's so much fun. It's, if you if you <laughs> uh, there is there is the slightly bizarre. Well, no, the, the, there's the concerning <laughs> issue about consent in this episode. Yeah. Which yeah. Is, yeah. Yeah. She, it, Bev is obviously the, there's an element of undue influence and control 
Um, so it is slightly upset. I, and a, a couple of, a year or two back, I watched Sub Rose. I live tweeted it on um, on Twitter, and largely people thought it was a lot of fun. Um, that my, my, my tweets, as I as I watch it, were quite amusing and a bit tongue in cheek, and everyone had a lot of fun with it. But there was one. Per- us were doing it. Well, one person pulled me up and said, "You're, you're making light of an issue about consent here." Um, and we got into a little bit of a debate about it. And, you know, I, I did completely accept there are issues around that. Um, and I was having fun with, an ep- with the episode and skipping over quite a serious issue, really. Um, and I'm kind of a little bit on the fence back and forth about it. It's like, it is so much fun. But, yeah, you kind of got to acknowledge that part of it. Yeah, there's, there's definitely and definitely the obsession um, aspect of it as well. Just the, the fact that, you know, Beverly gets so focused on this, what she th- thinks is, I, I mean, I, at that point, I don't know if she realizes it's not a man or not, but, you know, she just gets so single-mindedly focused on this lover that mm. it's like, right, gotta quit my job and move to a creepy planet that my nan lived on. Bye, guys! <laughs> yeah. There's also the oddity of, obviously, like, Sexing your nan's boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. She's not even. Co- she's not even cold in the grave. Yeah. I, yeah. I would say. I would say. So my my enjoyment of this episode was went up having read Death in Winter. So Death in Winter is oh, the, fir- yeah, is the first no- is the first novel that follows Nemesis. Yeah. yeah. And. It's my favorite novel. Yeah, and it, it's got a whole load of um, a whole load of stuff about Bev's early life and her life with her nan specifically, and so yeah. then like there's I don't know there's there's an element of sentimentality about her nan's death that gives this that gives a good amount of context to this episode that I found that, that that was really quite nice that actually I've been able to enjoy this more with a bit of like memory beta continuity. <laughs> Mm. Uh, on that subject, Dan, I don't know if you ever partake of the Trek Book Club, uh, which is run by um, our good friend Trekkie Rob. Uh, but on the Trek Book Club podcast, um, me, Rob, and uh, Rebecca did also all discuss uh, Death and Winter at some length. Oh, cool. So that might be, might be of interest to you. I, I've heard Rob um, promote it a couple of times when he's been on, but I've um, but I haven't picked it up. Maybe I should. Yeah, it's good. Uh, that's a good shame. Hmm. It's, it is good, and yeah, Death and Winter is a, is a fantastic novel, and I think yeah, and I, I, we had loads of fun, didn't we, Rebecca, sort of chatting about that. <clears throat> Never goes wrong when I'm discussing Beverly Crusher. <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody else struggle with the fact that? Um, the guy who plays the ghost goes on to play Shakar in DS9. <laughs> the, like, like that, that for me, whenever I go back to watch Sub Rosa, I find it jarring because he's like, he's the same guy in a different outfit. <laughs> you know, there's no make. Bajoran makeup isn't extensive. It, it so doesn't maybe mean... Ronan came back. Maybe Ronan be turned into a Bajoran. Oh. Mm. It doesn't bother me in Sabrosa. It bothers me in any episode she cars in, though. After I just after I realised, I was like, Kara, no, candle set ghost, stop. <laughs> <laughs> 
candle sex ghost. And then I'm like, hang on, candle sex ghost is now in charge of Bayshore. What? <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Shikar was um, Kira's love interest for some seasons in DS9. That's right, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Yeah, cool, cool. Yeah. I'm doing that thing where I just assume all the listeners know exactly what we're talking about. <laughs> Everyone's watched um, all of this nine times over, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All of our listeners have got their own Star Trek podcasts, I assume. How <laughs> <laughs> serious they are about it. Um, so, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a little jarring that. Um, is it Duncan Rhaegar? I think it's the actor's name. That sounds right. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, I mean, to be fair, I think he's in Deep Space Nine about four times max, isn't he? Yeah. Maybe yeah, Sh- Shikar doesn't appear a whole lot of times. Hmm. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, the sub is like its, it's, its own flipping entity it's 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 an incredible i think it, you can pop it in with cat's paw and it's just one of those things that star trek does does an episode that's just so batshit crazy you just have to go along with it and enjoy it i think i think I, yeah every time i watch it i find myself just really distracted with thoughts of how how did this get made how how did they how did they sign this up? Why? Why at no point did someone go? Hang, hang on a minute. Is this actually going to work? Um, <laughs> at, at the same time, I think it's absolutely brilliant that it did get made, mm-hmm. and it, it is a lot of fun to watch. There's some genuinely like laugh out loud, batshit crazy moments, particularly at the end where the it's like a coffin and the. The man coming out of the yeah, that, that, that is brilliant. Out of her eyes. I'm just like, what? What? Uh, this? Yeah, Nan rises yeah. from the grave and can shoot lightning. I mean, it's yeah. like she's the fucking emperor of Star Wars. It's brilliant. <laughs> Inspired a whole cosplay group, you know. Oh, yeah. we we have to mention that um, Destination Thank Star you. Trek 20, 2018. Um, I mean, I've been privy to a lot of the Twitter chat that, you, that a lot of people were going to planning to go dressed up as Beverly Crusher in a nightie or some element of Sub Rosa. And I think um, the first I spotted was on in the morning on the Saturday. We parked the car heading in and I saw waiting outside the toilets. Um, Hello. Following <laughs> <laughs> a captain's moment. <laughs> um, um, it was a Dana, and yeah. I can't remember her Twitter handle, but um, she's obviously waiting for her husband. And she, I was like, she's in Sub Rosa Nighty, fantastic. <laughs> um, and yeah, there's some incredible moments. Uh, one of our beloved patrons, Ian was dressed as Nana's gravestone. Wow. <laughs> that was brilliant. Which the, is grave, the gravestone gets put to very good use. Every time Tim and I visit, the gravestone gets hung in the window to be <laughs> an extra uh, sun, you know, uh, curtain to block the sun coming in in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did, did, did Ian end up meeting Gates McFadden dressed as the gravestone from Sabrosa? Well, we, we did the pictures with her. 
Yeah, oh, this is an incredible picture. Have you not seen it online? I think I have. For us to get the last picture slot, so that like we could get the whole group in, and the photographer could change his lens. And when we walked in, Gage just looks at us, and she was just like, "I don't know any of you." <laughs> I find it hard to believe that you haven't met Gates several times. So she knows exactly who you are, Rebecca. <laughs> I know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she was just like, I, I don't know any of you. <laughs> it probably gets to four o'clock on the last day. She's just bracing herself, kind of going like, coming soon, it's coming. <laughs> what will they be wearing? <laughs> she still loved it, though. And like the the, um, the candle that I have, because I have a little replica of the actual lamp. I'm like, she loves that when we take it to conventions. Like, Jen took it to Vegas last year. Oh my god, yeah. You don't light it, though, right? <laughs> yeah. One of those little battery-powered um, votives, you can flick it on and it flickers and I've got, like, green gauze around it to make the smoke. <laughs> no, didn't light the candle! <laughs> that candle has been a curse on your family for generations. Now, if you have a lick of sense, you'll listen to me right now and do away with it. Now, give it to me. This is a family heirloom, and I intend to keep it. Now, would you please get out of my house? Now! There's a really scathing comment. It's, it's recorded on Memory Alpha on this episode from Ronald D. Moore. I kind of liked it. I thought it was good to try a different genre on TNG and mix things up a little. It's not a perfect show by any means. <laughs> I'm glad we did it. <laughs> <laughs> as I, as I, I'm, I'm paid to be here so I can't say anything terrible what's the worst thing I can say and still keep my job <laughs> yeah not, not a perfect show it's a very diplomatic way of saying <laughs> I didn't know what the fuck was going on in this were we thinking? <laughs> I'm sorry I was trying. I, don't know, I, li- I like I like Fraga's comment I've come to notice that whenever you infuse a show with sexual themes, some of these fans seem to short circuit. I mean, the weather array malfunction causing thunderstorms. It was fun. <laughs> I don't know. That, 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 that literally sounds like the least fun aspect of it. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. Surprise is just. I don't. I, you can't even classify it. It's just an episode that just sits on its own. It's just like this absolute, what the hell? It's, it, it's um, like there with masks, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's, it's like a piece of Star Trek that you would, you would never have the heart to want to erase it. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm, I'm, re- I'm really happy that they did that and it, it's amazing that that episode got made <laughs> and then... in all fairness Gates, did, Gates was amazing because she had to make love to nothing yeah yeah and, and you know to be fair this is like um, Crusher doesn't get a whole lot of screen time and a whole lot of episodes dedicated to her so you know this is a Beverly Crusher episode it is yeah that's yeah, her you episode can't, you can't deny that no no, I mean, if you put up against suspicions, I know which one I prefer, but... <sighs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, well, we, a long way back, we did an episode. The what's the dog one? 
Oh, I think it's it Geordie that falls in love with a dog. Oh, yeah. Aquiel. Aquiel, yeah. Another absolute classic. The dog is the murderer. Geordie falls in love with someone after he goes through all their personal logs. Because he's not creepy at all. No, not creepy. That's so Geordie. the one that kind of like has that weird thing with Leah Bram and makes her in the holodeck. Yeah. We should have talked about those episodes for a horror. Well, it feels like, you know, it's not that far away from like a Halloween kind of esque um, <laughs> scenario, you know. You can Im- build, build your own girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if you're Leah Brahms, it's pretty horrifying. Yeah. You can imagine Jordy putting a mask on and running around the corridors of the Enterprise <laughs> and hunt her down. Oh, that was like that was the sort of third episode that they that's where that storyline was going Naturally. and they just <laughs> they didn't manage to put it into the schedule. It's a shame. Making it sound like Jordy's running around the ship. Pushing the buzzers on girls' doors. <laughs> After <laughs> half a second when they don't answer. Right over. <laughs> Emergency override. <laughs> the engineering override. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be fair, we don't know how much that Pfizer really sees, do we? <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> Have you ever seen the... There's a comic strip someone drew where... Uh, Wesley puts it on and it's everybody's naked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> um, so yeah, Sub Rosa, it's it's not terrifying. I'm not scared by it. <laughs> no. <laughs> but definitely, but it's, it's definitely worthy of inclusion as a Halloween episode. Uh, it's not a ghost. It's worthy of inclusion any time. I mean, it's just. It's just something else, really, isn't it? Dude. I mean, the fact that so many people, dis- you know, went dressed up in Beverly Prussian nineties, holding candles <laughs> <laughs> to Destination Star Trek. It's also just a bit creepy, though, that this ghost guy like has sex with every single one of Beverly's relatives for like eight hundred years or something. Yeah, that's a bit weird. <laughs> that's creepy, like. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, try go try a, a different. Go somewhere else, man. Just, just you know, take a <laughs> try something different. Do you, <laughs> something you, think, do you think he mixes it up with the genders, though? Because I mean, they're quite specific to how women. Yeah. Yeah. What happens if they they just didn't have any women in that line? Yeah. What yeah. It never mentioned the Howard man. You know. That's an episode. I, mean, I kind of yeah. always assumed that this was one of those families where the last name followed the woman instead of like the woman taking the man's last name, the man mm. would take the woman. Mm. Because yeah. otherwise, you know, the Howard women, well, none of them would ever have Howard as their last name. Like, because then Felisa Howard would have got that from marriage. Been a Howard yeah. by marriage. Because she was obviously, and they never say whether she was the mother of Beverly's mother or her father. Yeah. So, In a way, it almost implies that Beverly's broken that chain by taking Jack's surname. Yeah. It's like, damn it, Bev. Come, just, just damn it. You should have. There's a chance. Just stuck as a hand. There's a chance, of course, that um, 
Bev's gran never got married and just um, that you know there's a, a one night thing with a guy dressed like Mr. Darcy um. <laughs> <laughs> so now you're trying to say that Beverly is actually one quarter ghost <laughs> no 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 I'm saying a completely unrelated real world guy dressed as Mr. Darcy oh, oh, because okay. of a type <laughs> Yeah, I bet there's, some, there's probably some smart Scottish guy on that planet. It was like, do you know what I reckon? I reckon she's into, and he dresses up like a ghost, like a, like a t- totally like Mr. Darcy style. Because, <laughs> and afterwards, he's like, I can't believe she fell for that. Yeah, but he has to be young as well because remember, she likes them when they're thirty. <laughs> True. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if, if if only the if only the ghost had used um, ten backward branded condoms. <laughs> I don't I don't think they've been tested on ectoplasm, Rick. Um, <laughs> oh, oh. oh dear God! <laughs> well, you got to think of the. Uh, you know, health and safety. Anyway, <laughs> swinging back to lower decks and the, uh, the the waste disposal on the holodeck there, oh, <laughs> which, yeah. which like I had seriously never considered before. Lower decks going like, oh god, like everyone, everyone at some point <laughs> drops some waste on a holodeck. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it's got, it's got to be worse on Quarks because he's fairly open about what he does, well, what goes on oh, in his. Yeah, the Vulcan love slave, yeah, yeah. But like on Voyager, like even Tuvok. Oh dear God! <laughs> even Tuvok. <laughs> Tom Paris early on with his sleazy, like, oh, I include her in all my programs. <laughs> um, yeah, like. Yeah. Er, early Tom Paris was yeah was was not a was not a great character and yeah so there was definitely some waste on that holodeck too like uh, oh, all, all, all the way through and you think like they're like every now and again you get you get you get a character who spent days living in a holodeck program right nog nog does it for a few, for for a while in paper moon um, oh God! Yeah, where did he use the holographic yeah, toy? Exactly. Yeah, there's a, there's there's all sorts of problems there that lower decks has traumatised me with. And on Voyager, um, on Voyager, I suppose because they had sort of uh, sort of resourcing issues, they would have had to have recycled oh. everything. They, could, oh. right? they did Bloody recycle it. it. Um, in one of the books, oh, which book was it? Um. Beverly went to a planet that had, like, it was the Bo- it was one of the Borg books, and um, they'd gone to Pacific, I think they were on Pacifica, and she was like, oh, the replicators need to be moved closer to the waste units, because the replicators need matter. Oh my god, yeah. Jeez. <laughs> I mean, it is in the, um, it's in the technical manual, if you, if you care to yeah. read it. Oh. So... This coffee tastes like mm. shit. It is Austin. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not just. <laughs> if, if, you've, if, you, if you ever follow the Swear Trek Twitter yes. account, there is ones where Jane, where you see gifts of Jane tasting coffee. This tastes like a Klingon's ball sack or something. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> this tastes like a Gordon's yeah, toenails. Now, just know what that tastes like. <laughs> um, um, I, I was I was just thinking in the in the interest of time, considering <laughs> we're an hour and a half into this to this podcast. Do you think we should should we? Because I I feel like we sort of covered a lot of the main um, sort of horror episodes that immediately sprung to mind. Is it worth kind of rattling through some of the other ones that we'd thought of? Maybe not going into them in quite the same depth of, say, yeah. Sabrosa. <laughs> so I, I liked um, Where No Man Has Gone Before as a Halloween concept of the idea that anything you think comes true. Um, mm. I, again, glad that came before Sabrosa. Uh, in a in a or you know oh dear I I hope I don't have sex with my nan's boyfriend um, um, but like there, there was some proper horror concepts like as soon as you're told not to think about something which is exactly what the car tells his crew that becomes really difficult what what would be the worst thing I should definitely not think about um, um, Phantasms was another one that I actually watched in advance of this because I thought it was I thought it was great. You had that kind of um, data having much darker dreams um, and getting that kind of common theme of that insanity and that the difference between reality and the dream world blurring as he starts having waking dreams. Um, where he starts saying strange is not a, a sufficient adjective <laughs> and and of course you get the, the, the brilliant lines about um, with mint frosting <laughs> um, yeah. the Diana Troy case yeah, yeah. Um, that's yeah that's all I have for TNG um, you you did also mention I think before we're talking you mentioned a few episodes you looked at uh, Dan um, you were looking talking about Coda yeah yes from Voyager yeah yeah absolutely that that idea of Chakotay experiencing Janeway dying again and again and again in different ways that definitely felt like a fever dream very thick atmosphere kind of concept um, mm. Um, one from Voyager as well, which has got um, you know there's a there's a there's a parallel episode in Enterprise, the one person left awake because of doohickey um, something something. I can be everybody else needs to go to stasis and I need to be left on my own for a while. The the atmosphere in that one with with Seven on Voyager was really really deep, where you you really felt that kind of loneliness and slight madness of it. Um, and the other one, the other, the other one that I thought was um, a good Halloween concept was Whispers from DS9. Um, I really like that one where um, this is O'Brien starts thinking that people are being a little bit odd, and then mm. thinking they are really odd. But then, but then of course it goes into complete paranoia where where like has his wife made him poison stew and like like like. It, it becomes really, really, really suspicious, um, and, and and of course, like, and then she starts asking my questions. How's the stew? It's replicated stew. It's exactly the same as every other stew you have ever replicated because it's one program. <laughs> like, like, there's there's all sorts of mad right the way through that episode, and it builds up and builds up and builds up, and you don't get the reveal until like thirty seconds before the end of the episode. It, it's absolutely brilliant. That like you, you're totally mm. you're with O'Brien 
it's not one of these ones where you know what's going on and following their realization. You're with him going like, well, this is obviously O'Brien. Um, yeah, that's yeah. another great, that's, yeah, kind of rug pull right at the end. It's 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 beautifully done because you think you are following O'Brien the whole way through and everyone's off, and then you find that actually O'Brien is the one that was off the whole time. It's a really really nice double, and actually, Wisp. What I always fondly remember Whispers because it was talked about in our very first episode that we did a ten backwards because we talked about the most recent episodes we watched. And I think Will, you had watched Whispers shortly before we were recorded. Yeah, yeah, I had and and loved it, and because mm. I hadn't remembered it well. Um, and when I watched it, 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 it really blew me away. It was a yeah. brilliant episode. And yeah, absolutely. The the kind of the reveal doesn't come until right at the very end. And it's it, almost to sort of the detriment of the episode, maybe, that they hang on that long. <laughs> Just before the credits roll, you find out what's happened. Mm. But it's a, oh, I really like that. Yeah. I really like that. I'd also say this is the oh, this is also one of the few times you get an intimate medical exam where Julian asks O'Brien to cough. Um, <laughs> as part of, as yes. part of the as yeah. part of the, the many, many tests that he's doing on um on Pretend O'Brien. Um, yeah, and asks him about his sex life and then gets him to cough again because he enjoys it so, so much the first time. Cough. Uh, how's a sex life? I don't have a sense of humour. Cough. Uh, everything all right in that department? That department is none of Starfleet's business or yours. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, I love feeling his testicles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, boy. Let's go to the holodeck some more. <laughs> um, I think actually um, Whispers quite, it also goes on to one that um, Jen uh, who's Dr. Jen Throes on Twitter um, one of our beloved patrons um, mentioned the assignment as a kind of a creepy episode where Keiko is possessed by a par wraith and has O'Brien basically threatens Keiko's life and has O'Brien carry out modifications to the station to um, destroy the wormhole, the profits in the wormhole, uh, which is a genuinely creepy episode because mm. I think of the way that uh, Keiko is portrayed through the whole episode. She does a great job, that actress, doesn't she? Of like, properly, I've got, I've got no makeup, no outfit, but I am playing a completely different character. That scene on the promenade. <laughs> yeah. And I think massive props to Rosalind Chow for how well that one comes across because, and, you know, a lot of people give Keiko some stick. Yeah. Um, they do. Yeah. Um, but, you know, she... I think she we have. I mean, we, I think, we think on this podcast yeah. we have. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I can't watch this episode without having to crack. It's kind of a standard Keiko O'Brien mm. joke. Where I'm like, oh... Well, at least Keiko and O'Brien's relationship is normal in this episode. <laughs> Nothing unusual yeah. going on here, am I right? We did that with... Uh, <laughs> what, what episode we were watching, we did that. Um, oh, um, uh, when they they didn't couldn't get Rem's oh, um Yes, the one where they, where they can't get... Yeah, oh, the, Night Terrors. Um, yeah. yeah. there's, there there's a Keiko and O'Brien's um, scene in there where O'Brien's really snappy with her. Yeah, yeah, it's like, oh, you've been to visit such and such a bloke because you love going to see him because you're having an affair. Yeah. <laughs> Was Tom Corbin there? What? Tom Corbin from the science lab. Remember him? Of course I remember him, but... Use any excuse you can to pay him a visit. 
Miles, what are you saying? I think you know exactly what I'm saying. She walks in, the first thing she does is complain about her day and everything's yeah. like We're just like, oh, at, least, at least those guys aren't suffering any ill effects from the lack of REM sleep. They're completely normal. <laughs> I think that, I don't think they were affected by the by the problems at all. I think that was just them being normal. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Meanwhile, at the O'Brien's. Yeah, yeah. The <laughs> I, their lives. I, I didn't even watch Night Terrors in advance of this podcast, right? But I watched I watched Whispers and I watched Empoch Noir and my five year old daughter, who's kind of wandering in and out during during the course of this, looks at O'Brien and says that man always seems to have a bad day. He shouldn't be in space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's nailed it. She's nailed it. The, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the essence of O'Brien in one go. A <laughs> <laughs> oh, hell. Yeah. She's, she's, she's nailed it. Absolutely. She's basically, she's basically reading, like, O'Brien, every O'Brien end of year appraisal that he ever had. The other, the other episode I watched for um, for Halloween was Empoch Noir, where O'Brien um, has a bad yeah. day. <laughs> That's a very bad day, but it's beautifully oh. done. Um, Empoch Noir is genuinely creepy. So, sort of a yeah. haunted house thing, totally. And then, and you kind of t- yeah. also turn a bit of a serial killer thing going on. Um, and it's it's really well done. I know Andrew Robinson, who plays Garrick, had issues with this story because he was um, he was quite famous for a previous role as the Scorpio Killer. You, someone else might have to fill in the gaps here because I'm not sure on the film. Then Dirty Harry. Thank you. There you go. Uh, if it hasn't got right. Star Trek in the title, I've probably not watched it. Um, and he, 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 so I think he's concerned about being typecast, and he felt that Garrick in this was just that there was no nuance to Garrick. He was a competent killer, although I maybe disagree because I think there was some nuance to Garrick at the beginning and the end. Totally. Yes, he was possessed, possessed in the middle, but I think the way they bookended it at the beginning and the end kind of gave retained Garrick's core character very well. Yeah, mm. yeah. Lines like, um, but the way it's going, people start asking me over for dinner. And O'Brien's like, if it makes you feel better, I'll never ask you her for dinner. <laughs> That's very kind of you. Thank you, Chief. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lately, I've noticed everyone seems to trust me. It's quite unnerving. I'm still trying to get used to it. Next thing I know, people are going to be inviting me to their homes for dinner. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I promise I will never have you over. I appreciate that, Chief. Ah, don't mention it. I'll ask you over for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> Problem solved. <laughs> oh, boy. The, the, um, the, the back and forth with Garrick and O'Brien about uh, Setlick 3. Yeah. And the, the Is it Kotra? The tactical game that Cardassians like. It's, um, it's, really, it's really good. I mean, I flipping love that because actually, as much as Andrew Robinson protested the role, Garrick makes a superb, creepy serial killer type. Oh, guy. he does so well at like elevating his level of unstable through the episode. I mean, yeah. I've got to say, right, the one thing that went wrong for me in that episode was the like, oh, it seems to be some kind of biogenic compound. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, a, a more convincing argument would be that's Gar- what Garrick is like. <laughs> <laughs> We've discovered we found the real Garrick in this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd, you know, you wonder it doesn't take that long to 
it doesn't take that much to push him into that mode. And he's, yeah. and, and regardless of whatever technobabble explanation you want to put into Garrick becoming, he's fucking creepy as hell. Mm. He's yeah. genuinely terrifying. And he's also like, he's really capable as well. Mm. Like he has mm. those skills. Oh, doesn't he? And he I, has a I certain set of skills. Did, yes, paraphrase <laughs> in the franchise. Did um, I don't know if anyone ever played the Star Trek CCG when that was around. Um, I did. Yeah. So the first edition, the first edition, there were more versions of Garrick yeah. than there were of any other character. So you had really. Yeah, so you had Elim, you had Garrick, you had plain simple Garrick, you had um, a Taylor, and you had um, Obsidian Order Garrick, and you had, and, and you got all these different facets because Garrick is such a complex character. Um, there were more versions of Garrick than there were of even even Picard, where you get like alternate timeline Lieutenant Junior oh, Gabe Picard cool. and things like that. Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. So it, it was it was it's really really great because obviously, yeah, people people who love DS Nine, um, I don't know of anyone who goes, oh, that Garrick guy annoys me. No. Yeah, <laughs> not, not in the same way that there are TNG people who kind of go like, oh, I, I'm not so keen on Keiko or I'm not so keen on Q or whatever. Another great thing about M. Pognor is that is how it's like the cinematography is so um, in tune with it being like a horror movie. Mm. Like it's dark and shadowy and... I, you know, I mean, they do that kind of Star Trek thing where they get to Epoch Nor, and it's the same model as DS9. It's just wonky. One one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you get inside, and it, it's it's all the same sets, but they're lit really differently, and it's just it's really atmospheric. Mm. And they, yeah, they they really like they really go to town on making that a a, a creepy sort of jumpy episode, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely, and that's uh, and that's exactly what you wanted from um, from a from a horror point of view, or from a from a haunted house point of view, right? You can imagine having a nightmare that is about going round your own home that is slightly darker, slightly creepier, right? Um, and, yeah, and that's exactly what yeah. Empoknor is. That's it, because it, it's an yeah. alternate version of it's like a yeah. dark version of of DS Nine, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So it really is the stuff of nightmares. Mm. Totally. And uh, who who more nightmarish to have at the centre of that than Garrick? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it would have been the same yeah. episode if Nog was the bad guy. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> or, or Jake. Can you imagine Jake? <laughs> I, don't know. I think it's the darkness in Jake. Do you think so? <laughs> Not, not with not in those jumpers. <laughs> ah, that's why it, it distracts you. Yeah, distracts may, maybe eye. that's it. Maybe that's it. Um, I did. I did really want to give a little bit of a shout out to Frame of Mind as uh, just jumping back to TNG as a great psychological episode where um, Riker. Uh, is doing a play, such a TNG setup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they do love doing plays on TNG. Yeah. And he, yeah, he's doing a play where he, the main character is a is a prisoner in a uh, well, he, he's in like a sort of um, uh, a mental institution, mm. and then that it becomes reality mm. for Riker. Mm. It's, it's, it's I think it's really episode. good. Mm. I love it's, it. It's dead interesting that because that that then. 
I saw that next gen episode again not that long ago, and I went like, ah, oh, this is a bit tired now. And you go like, but was it tired when it was on? You go like, well, DS Nine did the whole Benny stuff about him in the mental asylum and what's real and what's mm. not, and. Mm. The same, the same is also true of other things like Buffy did an episode where she was um, mad. Yeah. Um, Do- they did. Doctor Who had the, um, the Dream Lord, and it was like, which one's real, this yeah. one or that one, and it turned out it was neither. Um, and, that, and that happens again and again and again, but I can't think of one that predates this TNG episode. Like now, no, now it's a like Inception is just the, 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 the thing that everything is pinned to, right? The, the Riker wakes up and then wakes up again and then again. <laughs> um, but that, that I, I'm trying to, th- I can't think of one that came before, I don't know, it would have been 1991-ish. Um, trying to think of another episode that did that first. You know, I can't. It's one of those things that is, as you say, it's oft, oft redone. It's Buffy and so on. But yeah, I can't think of one before. No, that, that's a really no, good point. Yeah, yeah. And I, th- I think watching it back now, I, I agree. It does, it does feel a little bit tired, and it's, it, it's dated in some way. Like that. some of the effects in that episode. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> the shatter. Uh, <laughs> yes, that's exactly it. That is pretty bad. But the, the the concept of it really really sticks, and yeah, I think you're right. It wasn't a tired concept at all. Well, it's an episode that my wife, who loves her psychological thrillers but does not really get on the Star Trek, re- actually requested to watch. So she, you know, she, I, I I told her about it. She really she was interested. She really wanted to watch that episode. Because yeah. of the, the way it portrays, you know, mental illness and the, the, the shattering of between the reality and illusion, and that that really interested her. Uh, whereas normally Star Trek stuff doesn't massively interest her at all. Um, I still love her; she has lovely, lovely uh, other traits. I was worried there, Rick. Yeah, I, uh, I thought we were going to get some sort of announcement. But, uh. <laughs> That's a good save. Yeah, yeah, good save, right. sweet, sweet, seamless. <laughs> so, what did you think of it? That's the big question. You know, I can't remember. It was years ago we watched it. I can't remember <laughs> what my judgment was. I mainly remember the good blessing. I, I, mean, I don't pay attention to stuff like that. I just, <laughs> I just know that she watched it once. So she, she, was, and she, she was like, "This was bollocks." Why did you make me? What you said? This was good. <laughs> it's tired. <laughs> Do you know, I can't remember what happened, but I remember her watching Rathakan with me, and literally the thing that sticks with me is near the end, when um, Kirk wants to go into the engineering compartment where Spock's been, and he's dying, and Scotty says, ah, no, he's dead already. And uh, my wife's response was, well, no, he's just got up. He's, he's not a very good doctor. I'm like, no, that's because he's the engineer. LAUGHTER <laughs> um, and then watching Picard, where she was furious with Picard, almost for the entire set of episodes, she was furious with Picard uh, because of the way he treated Raffi. <laughs> well, he's Raffi. not wrong. Raffi, Raffi. Raffi. <laughs> <laughs> he's not wrong. No, no, he was a dick. So, <laughs> but you know, I, I was still so caught up in hero worship, I couldn't say it, but she was like, that guy's a jerk, what the hell? So, you know. 
Uh, that's an interesting perspective. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's diverted somewhat from the subject at hand. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say oh, yeah. as we're as we're nearing the second hour of this podcast, <laughs> I feel like if if there's any conclusion to be drawn from from the last two two hours of of talking, is that like Star Star Trek maybe does a better job of psychological horror mm. than it does of. Uh, more kind of I don't know more like um, obvious horror like you know ghosts and and the supernatural it feels like it it doesn't necessarily nail that but the, but the psychological horror episodes mm. are, are all are all pretty great actually yeah would we would yeah. we feel unsatisfied though if we got a supernatural episode that didn't get yeah. a sci-fi explanation? If we could, yeah. yeah, I, I yeah. think like, yeah. if we didn't get a real-world explanation, like, and so we understood we understood why there were ghosts or magic or something something, um, I feel like we'd be left wanting. It would be it would be like saying aliens were in Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll be honest. It would be that upsetting. Oh, don't, don't, Rick. <laughs> I'll try to pretend something. <laughs> no idea what you mean. <laughs> I think. I think. My, that... my, sorry, my my Wikipedia following has led me to an article on the Heroes and Icons website, and it has eighteen eerie, disturbing, and downright scary Star Trek episodes. Ooh. Ooh. That would have been a and, good, and good article to find beforehand. Yeah, <laughs> just let's just sound it. <laughs> but um, weirdly though, um, you know, we're talking about like TNG episodes and ones that don't really feel like they're scary. This lists the next phase as being a scary episode. No, okay. I suppose in the, the two characters think it's not dead. scary. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't put that in my Halloween list. I don't think. That's I. So I weird. would. It's more of a fun. I, I. I really like that episode. It's a it, great episode. Yeah. It's more of a fun. Uh, it's more of a comedic episode in a way. I mean, it's it's yeah. got elements of it that are unnerving, but um, there's there's nothing that's particularly sort of horror based around it. I'd say. Well, I guess, I suppose, though, again, though, if you've never seen it, and they're dead, and nobody can see them, then I guess that would be the scary part. Yeah. And actually, I suppose, for the for the characters, um, it, it is it is a, a, a frightening thing. For, like, yeah, from, from a character point of view, they, they do treat it, they do take it seriously, you know, they yeah. are sort of freaked out by it. Yeah. But um, yeah, I wouldn't have thought of that as a sort of horror episode, though. Um, just thinking, there's an episode of Voyager. I mean, the I, the Vidians were really scary. They were. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I I I always feel like uh, there weren't enough episodes with the Vidians in Voyager because they're cause they're 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 terrifying, really. I mean, the the reason they are the way they are is is tragic, but ultimately they are. They are horrific in that way. The, 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 the practices that they do to, to to keep themselves going is that they they harvest body parts from from other races. And there's an episode where some crew members get some Voyager crew members get 
taken. Um, and Belana gets split into her human Ooh. half and her Klinger half. But oh, another character... That's really early um, on. Is it Durst? His, yeah. His face, some, another Avidian wears his face. <laughs> that's, that, that's pretty messed up, actually. Yeah. That's, yeah. Like, that's like something out of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it's um, if it's if it's you know permissible. But has anybody been following um, the Delta Flyers podcast? Oh, I listened to the first couple, but I haven't kind of. I haven't kept so, up. Um, they've been doing episode by episode viewings. Um, both um, both Tom Paris and Harry Kim watching episode by episode. Um, and for the Durst episodes, they got in the actor who played Durst. Oh. Um, and they got him adding commentary on what he was going to do. So he, like, he was brought in for one episode prior to that episode. That's true, yeah. And, yeah. and he, like, gets... he appears on the bridge and, set, and, and, and has a line and stuff. And they were a bit mm. like, I have no idea why I'm even here. And then it turns out it's because... In a later episode, you're going to lose your face, and we want the, we want the audience to kind of remember you and and to be slightly more horrified by the fact they've carved out your face. <laughs> well, it's because um, as the as the VHS releases came out, there were two episodes per tape, and Cathexis and um, Faces were on the same tape, so you literally saw Durst in Cathexis. Um, which I always remember fondly is the episode where Chicote saves the ship while being asleep the whole episode. <laughs> um, and then in Faces, yeah, Vadim cuts Durst's face off and, and and uses it for his own his own face. And it is genuinely quite hor- the, the first couple of Vadim appearances were horrifying, really. Taking the guy's lungs and stuff, and they were they were really impactful. I mean, yeah. you kind of wish they'd made more of them. Than they did with the Kazon. Yeah, I, I, it was, and in that in their long episode, the the Vidian, he has like a sort of a like a bag, like a, a like a like a hole door. It's like an old timey, almost like a sort of a Jack Jack the Ripper esque Victorian mm. style villain. Um, so yeah, yeah, definitely get some horror vibes from the Vidians. Well, of course, one of the things that hadn't occurred to me about that episode is, of course, the actor who plays Durst is also playing the Vidian that has got Durst's face. Yeah! <laughs> then, of course, that hadn't occurred to me the first, like, ten times I watched that episode. Well, it probably works out better than cutting the actor's face off and sticking up with the actor, I suppose. Yeah, but of course, that is, in fact, that is, in fact... The guy who plays Durst wearing a bunch of makeup, then wearing <laughs> a, a moulding of his own face on top of the makeup. <laughs> that, that sounds like an absolutely horrific experience for an actor to go through. Like, <laughs> something that, that that actor would have to be d- telling their their um, counsellor again and again over the next like 20 years. <laughs> And then at the end of every day, then they made me wear my own face. At the end of every day, they made me take my face off. (laughs) (laughs) The studio lights were so hot. Yeah, it must be must be annoying to be in makeup for hours just so they could put your own face on. You. Yeah, yeah. What, what about my what about my face? Why, like, like some kind of weird 
uh, like sort of nightmare where you go through hours and hours of makeup and then you look up at the mirror and it's just your own face. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we need to put special makeup on to make your face look like your face. <laughs> what, what's wrong with my face that doesn't look like my face? I'm so confused. <laughs> I feel like that's that's a horror movie that that would be really specific to actors who have to go through a lot of makeup. Yeah. They would be the, the core audience for that horror movie. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a sort of a Cronenberg esque type movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, some body horror there. You could argue that we've actually, in in talking about episodes that deal with with horror, we've really sidestepped. Massive part of Star Trek, <laughs> Borg. Well, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about that. I was thinking about kind of the Borg in terms of horror because that's just terrifying. If you want to know what episodes have given me nightmares, I can specifically tell you I had a nightmare the week following Best of Both Worlds Part 1 about yeah. how, how Best, of Both, Best of Both Worlds Part 2 would pan out. And the next time I had a Star Trek-based nightmare was shortly before First Contact came out. Because Borg, Oh, wow. Yeah, it's Borg. The Borg were the things that gave me fucking nightmares in Star Trek. Yeah. And certainly yet we've, we've not touched on the Borg episode in this in this discussion. No. And so, certainly there are, there are parts of um, First Contact which, which play out like a horror movie, certainly mm-hmm. in the yeah. early sections, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think Freaks is especially good at doing that, really. And yeah. and speaking about the waking up from the waking up that we talked about with Frame of Mind, that's literally the opening of First Contact, right? Where yeah, 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 that's yeah. a brilliant sequence. Actually, having a nightmare. Yeah, mm. and if you're going to talk about psychological horror as well, it doesn't really get much darker than dealing with the fact that you were turned into a cyborg and yeah. you can still hear the voices of, yeah. of a collective. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know. and yeah. it also makes for a good zombie movie, right? Like, whoa, technological yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, definitely. The, the scenes on the Enterprise, do they do play out much like a zombie movie, yeah. don't they? Mm. Yeah. yeah, Borg are the ultimate zombie movie villain, really. And by first contact, they, they kind of go from slow, from slow zombie to fast zombie as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, th- they were scary enough on episodes, but First Contact took it to a no- new level, really, didn't yeah. it? Yeah. I suppose it, maybe it helps with your nightmares that progressively throughout Star Trek, with the exception of First Contact, the board get less and less scary, right? Mm. They, they actually, yeah. they're actually, their first, the first appearance is their absolute scariest point. Definitely. Yeah, they're in, in, um, in Q Who. Yeah. Mm. They're absolutely yeah. horrifying in that yeah. You wanted to frighten us. We're frightened. You wanted to show us that we were inadequate for the moment. I grant that. You wanted me to say, I need you. I need you! Yeah, and I think they're still terrifying best of both worlds. So, um, yeah. yeah. But by the time you, by the time you get to Unimatrix Zero, they they're kind of less scary by then. And I know a lot of people give Voyager a lot of a lot of hassle about you know defanging the Borg, anyway. but I'll be honest, Descent didn't help. <laughs> no, no, no. And as much as I love um, I Borg, 
You, you, yeah, you I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, Hugh. I mean, it was a good episode. I love Hugh, but yeah, he didn't really uh, no, do much he, for the boy being scary he, either. That's the point where you start to have a bit of sympathy for them and think of them as as characters and and people and like yeah. XBs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that was beautifully carried on into Picard and having Hugh come back for that was brilliant. Yeah, um, still not entirely happy about killing him off, but no, yeah, no. that was a bit wrong. Yeah, I'd rather they hadn't done. So I think Hugh could have been a brilliant recurring character. So as we. As we as we drift into the second hour of this podcast, <laughs> I mean, well, actually, no, I suppose, I suppose, yeah, we've been we've we've done two hours. I guess this is actually the third hour. I've changed my mind on what the conclusion is. the con- the, the conclusion from all this talking is that um, we, we should have been talking about the Borg all this time, shouldn't we? <laughs> I also say that yeah. Star Trek does Halloween way better than it does Christmas. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Actually, yeah, there's, yeah. No, there's no end of episodes. So, like, there's there's a bunch of episodes that I didn't watch that I considered. So, like, real early on in Voyager, you've got um, the Thor with the with the, the that weird holodeck clown. Oh my god! How did we not think of him? Yeah. Like, that, yeah. That's really dark, brilliant. Right? And I, I I I won't rewatch that. I like like I feel like you go like yeah, it's Halloweeny, but it's like it's like obvious Halloweeny. And so, but it's, yeah, but it's like dark, really dark. It's an exploration of fear, and I think yeah. that's really good for that. God, we should have really talked about the Thor. Maybe we need to do a follow-up episode where we just talk about the Thor because it's a bloody good episode. Mm. Yeah. We, we we could have mentioned the um, the Beowulf episode, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, Voyager, where they you know they riff on some one of the older the oldest sort of. You could argue it's like a sort of a horror poem yeah there's you know it's, it's kind of like a horror story Schweitzer, Schweitzer, Schweitzer. <laughs> yeah um there's an, of, there's an episode of original series um with a salt vampire as well yeah it was literally the first episode of, of star trek that ever appeared on air yeah and it's got a monster in it it's 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 kind of terrifying because it's a monster that takes the form of some some lovely thing from your past. You know, it taps into your memories and appears to be appealing to you. So yeah, in a way, it's kind of it's kind of it's a very horrifying idea. That's the only about, kind of vampire I know of in Star Trek. And uh, what about Devil in the Dark as well? Well, yeah. Certainly, that like at least the first half of that plays out very much like a horror. Yeah, um, it's, it's a monster movie until we get to the point where we say actually the monster's not that different from us. Yeah, exactly. Which is what makes that episode so brilliant. It, it's it. what makes it so Star Trek, you know. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, man, we should have talked about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, I hope you enjoyed this roundup of things we should have talked about after you've listened to two hours of us talk about other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think th- this is something we should do at the end of every episode: dissect uh, and evaluate what we've talked about over the last few hours, yeah. and pick it apart, and, uh, and talk about the episode that you could have had. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, also Skin of Evil, TNG Skin of Evil. That one's kind of creepy. That's like yeah, because yeah. it, 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 it kills the main character. Alien. 
and it kills Tasha. Yeah. yeah. That's the main character, gone. Just like that. Yeah. Um, you've Definitely. got... You've got TNG's conspiracy. That's got a foot. That's got a whole lot of dark to oh, it as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's creepy yeah. as hell. Fucking dude, it explodes. We, I'm sorry, we, we've wrecked this. We've we've talked about all the wrong episodes. Why were we talking about Sub Rosa? <laughs> oh, because it's me like... and Rick talking about things. Yeah, sex goes candle. There you go. That justifies almost anything. <laughs> I think we spent a solid half an hour on the sub racer. Time well spent. God, I think it just yeah. shows that Star Trek does plenty of episodes that are Halloween worthy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, just, and there's, there's more than we could ever discuss in a in a two and a bit hours. Well, I mean, yeah. it's, it's the beauty of Star Trek is that it can it can do different genres. You know, you can have a detective story one week, you can have a horror story next week, you can have a fucking western the following week. Star Trek <laughs> can cover all of them, you know. I mean, yeah. to varying degrees of success. But... It depend, depending what sets were free on the, the Paramount lot that, that week. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, um, I think... I think it's great that in the in the last sort of seven minutes of this podcast, we've talked about all of the best horror episodes. Yeah, the preceding two hours were a bit of a waste, but you know, I hope you've enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The thing is, we can't even split this episode because it's intended to release on Halloween. Gee, this 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 will be our longest ever episode. I really hope everyone has nothing else to do on Halloween but listen to two hours of us talking. Well, it's not like they're going to be answering the door for trick or treaters. <laughs> this is true. Yes, yeah, sadly, this year that's that's um, mm, that's yeah. up the shitter. So yeah, might as well listen to this podcast. Mm. Which you know, if you've heard me say that, you already have done. So. <laughs> it can be both your treat and your trick. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a reward and a punishment. And that's <laughs> that's that's maybe some of the branding that could go on the uh, contraceptives. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, I, I was going to say that that's literally how you can describe Sub Rosa. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing that we found a tagline for Sub Rosa and condoms. <laughs> Oh my god, they said it couldn't be done. Yeah. They were wrong. They were wrong, and so were we. Oh dear. Okay, um, so I'm going to say on that note, um, this has been our Halloween special. I don't know if it's if it's frightened you or not. It's frightened me. So, <laughs> um, I hope you'll join us again on a future ten backward, where um, God only knows what we'll be talking about after this. <laughs> <laughs> so, thank you very much for listening. Uh, I will see you again next time. Goodbye. Yeah, thanks very much. Thank it's been great. Bye. Cheers, guys. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks, Bye. <laughs> Do you realize how incredible this is? It's tradition! You ever noticed that bum? What? That bum! Oh no! I will say. I will say. Fewer things. Fewer things. Okay.
enough of this self-indulgence. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, our website is www.loweredexradio.co.uk. You can reach us on the Twitters at at 10backward, 10 being the number and backward being the word backward. We're also on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash 10backwardpodcast. You can also email us at crew at loweredexradio.co.uk. On a personal, individual level, my Twitter is at Will Turland. Rick Everson's Twitter is at TrekFanRick. And Rick Palmer's Twitter is at Mr. Imhotep. Hi, thank you again for listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, you might consider supporting us. We have now have a Patreon uh, where people can uh, pledge small amounts to fund uh, ongoing projects like uh, keeping our website up to date, uh, um, new audio equipment as we're going along and potentially uh, opportunities to expand our content. Uh, you can go look at this at patreon.com forward slash loweredexradio. Uh, if you don't feel you can donate but would still like to support us, we would love it if you could subscribe to us or however get your podcasts through iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play or we're on various third party apps and if you could leave us a review on any of those that would be fantastic and would be very appreciative. Thanks again for listening, and please tune in for more podcasts from the Ten Backward Crew. Let's make sure that history never forgets the name. Ten Backward? Laddie, don't you think you should rephrase that? Ten Backward. Ten Backward. You're very clever, Captain. More so than I'd imagined. Clever, resourceful, and handsome. Don't let her touch the wand, Captain.